So has that been nailed down on whether or not that's a hoax or not? Or is it just still speculation? The four uh, blondes I, singing the song. I, 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 I'm, I, it is what it, it's, it's the thing. We enjoy it. The, the interpretation is left up to the user, not the artist. I don't exactly. understand what you're trying to, to, to get to the bottom of here. Sean, that was some fine hokum right there. <laughs> exactly, Jack. It's in the eye of the beholder. It's art. It's really, really crappy art, but it's art. Most of it is. I just, I just, yeah, exactly. I just want to know if they were trying to be funny or trying to be. They uh, were trying to go viral, and mm. they succeeded. Yeah, that's regardless of not, they did so on their own merits or on sarcasm. No, I think is uh, <laughs> irrelevant to the point. It's obvious to me, and I don't need any uh, backing up of my opinion. Okay. <laughs> you, you don't you- accidentally do that accent. Okay, that third and get person, all made up like that. Third singer girl, the fourth singer girl. Yeah, <laughs> they're she's all a... they're all horrifically. Just, I love it. It reminds me of the song Valley Girl back in the eighties. Frank Zappa and his daughter did. It's a great send up of that sort of. Oh, oh, oh my god, they just sing in that style, which is pretty funny. We have it at ArmstrongandGetty dot com. If you don't know what we're talking about, so we talk a lot about uh, the the wokeness infecting the schools. It's uh, pretty horrifying and scary. I mean, it's actually like, you know, could destroy society. Sort of scary. But uh, New York City Public School asks parents to reflect on their whiteness. They sent a bunch of kids home. This is sixth graders through 12th grade sent kids home with uh, paperwork they're supposed to show to their parents and have discussions about. Uh, And it included the eight white identities. And you're supposed to have a discussion about them and which one you are. Well, this is exciting. This is just like your pizza topping shows your personality. Yeah, it is kind of like that. It goes, it's a graph. It's, it's like the rainbow of doom. I mean, you can be somewhere on the gauge from orange over on the left, which is white supremacist over clear over to the right, which is white abolitionist. And then all the different uh, gradations in between. Uh, I'll hit you with exciting. I'll hit you with some of these. White supremacist is pretty easy to figure out. If you're a white supremacist, you're clearly marked white society that uh, preserves names and values white superiority. And then if you get all the way down... By their definitions, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, If you get clear to the other side, white abolitionist, changing institutions, dismantling whiteness, and not allowing whiteness to reassert itself. Uh, Right. You're racists. So then everything in between. Which would you like to hear more details about? Uh, I'll go from supremacist... To abolitionist. Right, I like your style. Right next to supremacist is white voyeurism. A person that is a white voyeur. Again, as a parent, you get this, your kid brings it home to you, and you're supposed to read it over, figure out which one you are, and then, you know, like write a paragraph about it and discuss it with your child. And your child is indoctrinating you, having <laughs> brought home the truth from their brave leader, the great leader. White voyeurism wouldn't challenge a white supremacist. Desires non-whiteness because it is interesting, pleasurable. Seeks to control the consumption and appropriation of non-whiteness. Fascination with culture. Example, consuming black culture without the burden of blackness. Okay. All right. White privilege is kind of in the middle. May critique supremacy, but a deep investment in questions of fairness equality under the normalization of whiteness and the white rule. Sworn goal of diversity. In quotes. You know, it might be worth pointing out at this point, and it's uh, handy. Uh, let's see, what's uh, uh, alert listener Matt in Vancouver sent this along. 
It's a pathway to equitable math instruction, dismantling racism in mathematics instruction. It is 82 pages long. It's exercises for educators to reflect on their own biases to transform their institutional practices. And what it makes clear is things. Let me scroll down to racist math is so confusing to me. Yeah, it's crazy. There are so many concepts that are considered whiteness, like focus on getting the right answer is whiteness. So, yeah, that, that's yeah. I want to get into people that. to be on time is whiteness. I'm glad you brought that up because they do not get into in this particular example what they mean by whiteness. And I just assumed that it was that sort of thing that we've seen in other places punctuality and stuff and things like that are considered right, whiteness, right. which is really it's, weird and, and about as racist and demeaning a thing I could possibly imagine. Teachers are teachers and students are learners. That's white supremacy. Uh, let's see. Math is taught in a linear fashion and skills are taught sequentially. That's white supremacy. You see, they call everything White supremacy. So anything that's not like a Marxist, what we say is true, is called white supremacy. So as you go back to those descriptions, as Jack does, uh, keep in mind, by whiteness, they mean like everything that makes society function, or a lot of things that do. Of course, they would call me a white supremacist, which is ridiculous if you know me, but they would. Let me go on the other end of the spectrum. You're a white abolitionist. That's somebody that's willing to give up all their whiteness. Dismantling whiteness is what you're into. Well, do me a favor, because having now defined what whiteness is, can you do that that last one one more time? Uh, which one is that? Because we got white supremacist, voyeur. white voyeurism. Wouldn't challenge a white supremacist. Desire Desires non-whiteness because it's interesting and pleasurable. Seeks to control the consumption and appropriation of non-whiteness. Fascination with the culture. I, example, consuming black culture without the burden of blackness. Oh, I guess it was the next one. White privilege may critique supremacy, but a deep investment in questions of fairness and equality under the normalization of whiteness and the white rule. Sworn goal of, quote, diversity. There you go. Yeah. Re- students required to show their work. That's whiteness. And as you get further on the other side of the thing, white confessional is a person that some exposure of whiteness takes place, but as a way of being accountable to people of color after seeking validation from people of color. This is all such craziness. Oh, my God, yeah. And that's in a public freaking school. Right. It's straight out of Chairman Mao. And what really hurts those of us who've grown up with Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and just the civil rights movement is that it is just so perverted, the actual civil rights movement, into this Marxist political movement that's full of just hokum and mumbo-jumbo, that it's like there's no air for legitimate civil rights issues. It's been taken over by the Marxists, and that's really unfortunate. People that are pushing these, um, these ideas that there are all these traits that go with your skin color, how do they not think this is going to end in blood in the streets and race wars because that's right, exactly. where it goes if you're if you're going to actually start believing that your skin color carries various traits and some of those traits you really don't like that come yeah. naturally with the skin color and well, they need to be stamped out that's going to lead to horrible violence yeah. down the road yep. it already has it has you whip up that sort of sense of grievance among people and and BLM does it 100% absolutely. Trump has been accused of doing the same thing with the election stuff. 
McConnell just called him out for that. But you whip up grievance in people and make them believe it and make them believe that not only are they being cheated, but they're cheated by evil, evil white people, black people, whatever. Pick a race, pick an ethnicity. You're going to get horrible violence. And then when it happens, the CNN's going to say, oh, what led to this? What happened? What, how can this happen? It's unbelievable. It's so obvious. What, is a, what a racist thing it is to to make some sort of assumption that black people can't be punctual. I mean, what, mm-hmm. what, who would say that? Who would believe yeah, it's, that? It's incredibly racist. And, and well, yeah, and it denies individuals individuality. It denies you, uh, uh, you know, self-motivation and, and uh, self-determination. You are collectively your skin color. Can you imagine anything more racist than that? And this is coming from the left now. I tell you what, you you hear anti-racist. Well, uh, racism is bad. I grew up being taught that. You need to familiarize yourself with what this is. The, part of the scam, and George Orwell wrote about this incredibly eloquently decades ago, they changed the definition of words that you think you know what they mean. That's the key to it. And there's more to be said about this through the days, weeks, and years ahead, uh, unless cancel culture comes from us, and then we'll do a podcast, and then we'll really turn it loose. But you need to uh, reject this stuff uh, a lot. Keep practicing civil rights and 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 fight against racism in Martin Luther King's way, not Ibram X. Kendi's way. All right, if you're a good person. I'll get to the um, uh, Texas mayor who's resigned after calling his constituents lazy just because his Facebook rant is pretty funny. We probably ought to touch on some of the things Joe Biden said and and promised in a town hall on CNN last night. Oh, yeah. Um, some some really interesting developments on the whole minimum wage question, for instance. A whole bunch of stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, crazy weather in Texas. Well, it really coast to coast. I mean, thousands and thousands of people in Oregon without power. People in North Carolina getting killed by tornadoes. Um, you know, it's just it's coast to coast. It's really Texas something. frozen like it's North Dakota. It's really nuts. Um, it's proof of climate change. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. I like this headline. Texas mayor quits after saying residents are lazy amid power outages. Are they? A Texas mayor has resigned over controversial social media posts. (laughs) Colorado City, which is in Texas, which is confusing. Go figure. Um, This mayor tweeted, uh, tweeted out, No one owes you or your family anything, nor is it the local government's responsibility to support you during trying times like this. Sink or swim, it's your choice, he wrote. The city and county, along with the power providers or any other service, owes you nothing, in all caps. <laughs> if you have no water, you deal with you deal without and think outside the box to survive and supply water to your family. If you are sitting at home in the cold because you have no power and are sitting there waiting for someone to come rescue you because you're lazy, it's a direct result of your raising. <laughs> and he went okay. on. And he went on to say Am I sorry Sorry that you've been dealing with ele- without electricity and water? Yes, but I'll be damned if I'm going to provide for anyone that is capable of doing it for themselves. 
Wow. Bottom line, quit crying and looking for a handout. Get off your ass and take care of your own family. You know, there there are aspects of his act that I kind of appreciate. I can, see, kind of, I can see how he probably got elected as a mayor in a small town Texas with yeah, that attitude. He, he's got that. What was the character on, uh, on uh, 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 Parks and Rec? Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. He's got some real good Ron Swanson going there, but it's a tad over the top, even for my tastes. Well, Meanwhile, in California, anybody victimized by the electricity outage of 20 minutes length, we will have a room full of puppies <laughs> and coloring books and counselors available for those of you who are traumatized. We will offer safe spaces. We know that 20 minutes without electricity was very difficult. <laughs> a room full probably, of puppies. Probably somewhere in the middle is a good approach. Quit crying and looking for a handout. Get off your ass and take care of your own family. Is the mayor's post while you're sitting in your house at 10 degrees with no electricity. If the cold doesn't kill you, I will. Quit being a baby. Later, in a separate post, the mayor apologized, saying he was quitting. (laughs) Uh, Do authorities believe alcohol was involved there? I don't know. He then, then, after I'm guessing a pretty good backlash or somebody talked to him, he just posts, I'm quitting. I'm quitting. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. I just lost my head. I quit. Oh, that is that is something. God, his initial comments were scathing. I was ready for, look, you've got to help yourselves out. Don't be lazy. <laughs> he was just calling everybody out. I hope you freeze to death. If you don't have water, figure out how to get some. Think outside the box. You're weak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Speaking of weak, CNN held a town hall with Joseph R. Biden, D. Dell, uh, current president of the United States yesterday, in which uh, they asked him a number of questions. Some of it uh, w- was uh, actually pretty good from my perspective. Some of it was absolutely awful. He did indicate that he's open to negotiation on the proposed $15 minimum wage to roll it out much more slowly over the course of uh, several years. Uh, still, nobody's... Well, he says no one should work 40 hours a week and live in poverty. Well, what if they don't bring any value to the business? What if they have no skills? Almost nobody is. I've got some great stats on that that Jason Riley has in the Wall Street Journal today. Who does minimum wage jobs? It's mostly a young people who live with their parents or oldsters who just want a little extra money and something to do. It is not the poor who are trying to get by. Most poor people make more than minimum wage, the vast majority. But I got more on that later. So this is a cure running around in search of a disease. Absolutely. It's a um it is it's a it's a myth. It's something people believe and therefore the the policy, I guess. Right. Interesting. Okay, I'm looking forward to getting into that more. We also have a uh another business that had to close, actually multiple businesses that had to close because of woke uh, wage policies. But I found Biden's uh, discussion of uh China uh, disturbing. Uh, he was asked about the, um, well, the relationship with China in general and their sins and the rest of it and then their totalitarianism. And in clip 11, uh, come for the rambling, stay for the excuse making. Go ahead, Sean. You know, Chinese leaders, if you know anything about Chinese history, it has always been the time when China has been victimized by the outer world is when they haven't been unified at home. So the central, oh, to vastly overstated, the central principle of Xi Jinping is that there must be a united, tightly controlled China. 
and he uses his rationale for the things he does based on that. I point out to him, no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect the values of the United States. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in western mountains of, of uh, China and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I, I said, and by the way, he said he, he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms in each country, and they, their leaders are expected to follow. Wow. Yep. That was the sort of thing that uh, people were rooting for Trump, that he would unleash in a debate that he never did. Right. Just the rambling in his mind, that might have made sense, but he had a bunch of different thoughts he did not put together. Right, exactly. And a lot of my friends on the right are bashing Biden for going soft on the concentration camps and the rest of it. You know, it was hard to tell. It was so incoherent. Yeah, I, I don't think, know what he was saying. That was I think quite he was, something. I think he was trying to do like a college class explanation of why China is a totalitarian state, why they don't feel like they can afford the chaos of freedom, which, you know, may be true. That doesn't mean we have to like it, but it was just incoherent. He said some really interesting stuff about student loan forgiveness. Again, about the minimum wage. We ought to go more into that. The rambling Biden town hall. More to come. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The battle over schools, um, I, I read, is heating up. I don't know. It's been hot for me the whole time, so uh, it's hard for me to tell if it's heating up or not. But uh, You're ahead of the curve. It's, as you so often were, wearing parachute pants in 1977. I remember that, for instance. It sure Back looks always ahead. <laughs> it sure looks like the bad guys are winning uh, to me. Um, even where schools are opening up, it's after they got a, a, a ton of cash thrown their way and after a year of being closed for no good reason. So anyway, more on that later. Um, we mentioned a little bit about minimum wage. I just wanted to uh, hit you with a, a little bit from Jason Riley's piece in the Wall Street Journal today about the uh, the ongoing minimum wage um, uh, conversation. Speaker Nancy Pelosi said last week that the House version of the next coronavirus aid package would include a $15 federal minimum wage. God, I, I assume there are employees out there that think, yes, I can't wait till this happens. But I also know there are employers out there or business owners out there who say, this would just be a disaster. Surely this won't happen. I will not be able to keep my donut shop open or oil change place open or whatever, wherever you are, is somewhere in the country, if that, mm-hmm. if that goes through. Nancy Pelosi went on to say that 27 million people will get a raise, 70% of them women. In truth, says Jason Riley, Ms. Pelosi has no idea how many people would see a raise because she doesn't know how many people would keep their jobs. Employers may decide they can't afford to pay someone a 15-hour hourly wage. So workers could be let go or just get fewer hours. A new CBO report estimates that 1.4 million jobs would vanish and nobody knows how many people would never be hired in the first place because they've been priced out of the labor force. As to the reference of female workers, it's also misleading. Democrats have long held up single working moms as the typical minimum wage earner. But that's a myth. A 2014 analysis by, and he mentioned some economists you've never heard of, found that the vast majority of workers who would benefit from a minimum wage increase live in non-poor households already. Only 13% of workers who would be affected 
live in poor households. That's wow. a pretty amazing stat. Um, while so that's like one out of eight? Nearly two-thirds uh, live in households with incomes over twice the poverty line, and 40% live in households with incomes over three times the poverty line. Those are the wow. real stats of who is a minimum wage worker. Such findings would seem to underscore the limits of using minimum wage laws to address poverty. Most workers who earn minimum wage are not a family sole breadwinner. They tend to be teenagers living at home or senior citizens working part-time to stay busy in retirement. Um, also, uh, single, I, I, single I, I mothers, one last stat, single mothers yeah, make ahead. up less than 5% of those who would potentially benefit from a minimum wage increase. Wow, less than 5%. I was just going to say to the youngsters and the oldsters, let's add uh, a second income. Uh, you know, one of the, the partners in a, a marriage or, or a partnership, uh, you know, working part-time just to add a little more money to the income to get out of the house, that sort of thing, optional work. Mm-hmm. That's That's unbelievable. Just so much of our politics is built on just blatant dishonesty. Now, uh, old man Biden actually showed some flexibility at the CNN town hall last night. He said, and I'm going to quote, let's say you said you're going to increase the minimum wage from seven twenty five an hour between now and the year 2025 to $12 an hour to $13 an hour. You'd double someone's pay. An impact on business would be absolutely de minimis, and it would grow the GDP. Why would it be de minimis? Oh, whatever that look means. Up what that means. Whatever yeah. that mean word means. That that means very little, but that's it, why I uh, assumed. But I don't. Wh- I don't use that word. Where the hell does he get off saying that? Anyway, I do support a fifteen dollar minimum wage. Adding, he believed the weight of evidence showed that would help workers without much adverse impact on businesses. But that's a debatable issue, he said, um, which uh, I appreciate it. Back to the Jason Riley thing in the Wall Street Journal. Low-income minorities stand to lose the most from lifting the wage floor because they are overrepresented among less skilled and less experienced workers. Labor economists mentions two more that you wouldn't hear uh, know what their names are. Uh, their study of the impact of state minimum wage mandates, because a lot of states raised their minimum wage, including California, in 2007 through 2009, found that they cost younger blacks more jobs than the Great Recession did. Wow. Wow. For instance, QVC, that would be your quality food centers of Seattle, announced it'll be closing a pair of Seattle locations, blaming a recently passed hazard pay ordinance that gives grocery workers an added $4 an hour for the duration of the pandemic. QVC, which owns and operates over 60 locations spread out across the area, will be shutting down two stores and eliminating the jobs. Um, citing razor-slim profit margins brought on uh, by the hazard pay, combined with existing compensation packages to employees, added costs of pandemic security measures, et cetera, et cetera. In short, it just tipped the economic scales to the point where it didn't make sense to do business anymore. So all of those people are now unemployed. It's as simple as that. It's unbelievable. Oh, let's see. I want to do a little more Biden from the town hall. Uh, I, You know, I, don't, I haven't heard 13. Is that worth playing on student debt? Uh, longish. I, yeah, I thought it was interesting. All right, yeah, let's go ahead and roll it. Loans are crushing my family, friends, and fellow Americans. Me too. <laughs> the American dream is to kids. succeed, but how can we fulfill that dream when debt is many people's only option for a degree? We need student loan forgiveness beyond the potential $10,000 your administration has proposed. We need at least a $50,000 minimum. What will you do to make that happen? Oh, I will not make that happen. It depends on whether or not you go to a private university or public university. It depends on the idea that 
I say to a community, I'm going to forgive the debt, the billions of dollars of debt for people who have gone to Harvard and Yale and Penn and schools, my children. I went to a great school. I went to a state school. Um, but is that going to be forgiven rather than use that money to provide for early education for young uh, children who are come from disadvantaged circumstances? But here's what I think. Man. I think everyone, and I've been proposing this for four years, everyone should be able to go to community college for free. For free. That's... That costs $9 billion, and we should pay for it. And the tax policies we have now, we should be able to pay for it. You spend almost that money as a break for people who own racehorses. And I think any family what? making under $125,000 whose kids go to a state university they get into, that should be free. Well, I, I really, uh, Mr. President, I went to racehorse college. So <laughs> where does that leave me? I'm confused. Equine I'm University. A, I'm a jockey who went to racehorse college <laughs> with a lot of student loan debt. I took I, t- uh, I took whipping 101. Um, <laughs> oh jeez. Um, uh, track moisture uh, dynamics. I uh, the muddy track, the dry track, etc. I took two classes in how to stay this small and under 130 pounds. Exactly. <laughs> Staying Come conscious on. on 100 calories a day. Uh, so well, first listen, of all, I, he's impossible to follow. I think I know yeah. what he's talking about. Listen, I have aging parents. A lot of us do that. I absolutely love with all my heart. I am not going to mock someone for being old, but he is decreasingly able to explain anything. I agreed with him on the uh, he, what he was basically saying is, no, we're not going to just blanket bail out everybody who's got student loan debt, no matter what you did. Of course, we're not going to do that. So I appreciate him liked, saying that. Yeah, I liked how he shot down that broad. <laughs> <laughs> lady, lady, lady. I'm sorry. Shot down that lady, lady, lady. Broad, broad, broad. <laughs> okay, more to come on that and other things. But first, a quick word from our. Sponsor Car Shield. When temperatures drop, chances of something going wacky in your car go way up. It happens every winter time. That's why you call Car Shield for maximum safety on the road for a low month to month cost. Plus, they protect you from expensive car repairs. For some reason, the chance of your car breaking down goes up once the warranty runs out. I don't know how that works. Oh. I don't know if they got a special oh, yeah. ray gun they shoot at you when your warranty runs out or whatever. But if your car's run out of warranty, that's when you want to sign up for CarShield, definitely. That's why they're America's number one auto protection company with over a million drivers being helped already. Plus, they get you 24-7 nationwide roadside assistance. And if your car's going to be worked on for a while, you get a rental car coverage, too, at no additional cost. Uh, CarShield has helped over a million drivers. They have all sorts of different plans customized to you, easy to sign up for, easy to bounce out of if you want. Just dial 800-665-2157. It's 800-665-2157. Use the code Armstrong or visit CarShield.com. Same code Armstrong. A deductible may apply. CarShield.com. Code Armstrong. I'm willing to have the conversation about whether or not uh, two years of college out of school should be um, paid for. Uh, it's been, you're done at 18 for ever. Um, that might not necessarily have to be forever. Maybe that's not the, the best idea going forward. I mean, we, we decided that the, the taxpayer is going to educate everybody in America K through 12. Mm-hmm. Why does it necessarily have to stop there? Why wouldn't you say? And, uh, and then you do two more years to, to figure, you know, a direction you want to go for a job. 
I'm not sure I think that's a good idea, but I'm not sure I don't think it's a good idea. Is the number 12 years of taxpayer-paid education stay the same forever? That doesn't make any sense. Right. I think some of our libertarian brethren would be pissed off at us for even having this discussion, but we've moved from an industrial to a substantially uh, technical post-industrial service economy, so it's it's at least worth taking a look well, unless, at that question. Well, yeah, if you're going to make an argument we need to get rid of all public school because that's a bad idea, well, then that's a different argument. But if you are mm-hmm. going to have public school, why wouldn't it change as times change, as right. needs change? Right. Tangential but related issue. We also have to have a national and honest conversation about the nature of schooling and this automatic assumption that, well, you must have a college degree, and without a college degree, you're a failure, and the college degree is the, the, the key to happiness. There are guys in blue-collar, and women, too, obviously, in blue-collar professions, trades, um, that are making three, four, five times as much the person with a, you know, nice but not directly applicable college degree. They're sitting in a cubicle, uh, doing work that's probably too easy for them. Um, and the college degree was not a key to, to wealth and success. There, you got to do a hell of a lot more than just get that degree. So let's, let's start being honest about the, what a college degree is, what it used to be, and what it is now, because it's, it's different than it used to be for reasons we've discussed. Um, and, and, uh, you know, what, all college degrees are, are not the same in terms of usefulness. That to state the incredibly obvious. Uh, meanwhile, people who provide uh, real services, the trades, are making lots of money. It's good, solid work. It'll never go away, and we can't look down on them, to, to quote our friend Mike Rowe. So, yeah, if we want to have a discussion about free, taxpayer-funded community college, let's have that discussion, but let's be honest about all of this stuff. Uh, our text line is 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. I've got the... Uh... 15 biggest uh, online challenges that have happened in the last decade. Oh, boy. That's like the Tide Pod Challenge or the, uh, you know, various things like that. Some of them yeah. are really, really stupid. And if you are if you or your kid did it, I, I don't know what to help you do to help you. It's a Darwin uh-huh. thing. Also, one of these uh, opportunities to feel superior and inferior to other places, the uh, most and least educated states in America. <laughs> oh, jeez. And uh, the most and least ethnically diverse cities. Okay. A pair of studies. We'll be darned. It's it's mildly interesting. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> what what kind of a radio show promotes? We've got something on the way that's mildly interesting. I hate to oversell. I like to undersell and overdeliver. I understand that. Um, something I'm not going to lie to the people. These are my friends. Something we might want to learn from the Black Death about pandemics. For this pandemic. We need a cool black name for death, this one. Not a reference to race. COVID's not as cool a name as the Black Death. Need a cool name for this. How 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 are we a year in and we don't have a cool name for this? Chinese bat fever. That's pretty good. That's a pretty cool name. That's pretty good. All that stuff on the way. I will not make that happen. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. My son is constantly trading away his food we make him for lunch. 
with other really? people. Really? Yeah. A tale as old as time. It is a tale as old as time, but I'm often shocked at some of the trades other kids will make. It seems huh. like they just some of them are just they just must have different tastes. Sometimes he'll uh, he'll get a like a full Snickers bar for a shoddily made uh, salami sandwich. Really? That I put together, yeah. Well, are the other kids starving or something? I, I don't remember children's lust for salami being a big factor in my kid's childhood. I know. I don't know. Maybe he goes to the kids that are like shaking. And... I think it's a uh, it's the desire for commerce. We, my friend, we would trade anything: marbles, baseball cards, lunch stuff. It's it's the learning about negotiations stage of life, I guess. You um, look a little hungry there, Jim. Want a salami sandwich? It's going to cost you. <laughs> Some good salami, nice and fatty. Yeah, some of the trades he makes, I think, what? Who who made that trade with you? Mm. Oh, interesting. Um, he really likes spicy stuff, so he often trades for some kids super spicy stuff, and the kid's like, I don't know. I don't know why their parents are putting spicy chips in their bag if uh, they don't want spicy chips. But <clears throat> um, Here's a, one of the more interesting polls I've seen recently. It's a YouGov poll. Is YouGov taken seriously? Yeah, I think so, as much as anybody else. Okay. Is that the one that I'd signed up for that I've been given faulty answers to? Uh, I think it might actually be. Yeah, 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 that's one. I mean, they're as yeah, as polling things go, they're fine. But, you know, they, I, <laughs> smartest horse, it? et cetera. Uh, yeah, exactly. Brett Baer on Special Report last night it, it brought up polls, and he said, now keep in mind, we take all polls with a grain of salt. Which polls? All of them. Okay. You know what polls you can believe? I was just listening to this yesterday from uh, Chris Steyerwald, who used to be with Fox. He's super into polls. That's what he does for a living. He said, same question, same poll changes over time. He said, those numbers you can put some stock in. That's about the only thing you can really... because otherwise it's about how it's worded and who they ask and everything. But if you same poll asking the same question over time, you can see movements that are real. I like that one. This is not one of those. <laughs> this, uh-huh. this poll, this is a YouGov poll asking Republicans who's the best president in U.S. history. Um, in 2018, they went with Ronald Reagan, which I believe is a fairly fatuous answer even in 2018. Best president in U.S. history, beating out by a lot Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. The late great. For instance. That's yeah. just silly. No. It's indefensible. Reagan, great, great president. Fine president. Next to Washington? No, please. Um, well, so partly because, you know, Washington had greatness thrust upon him. He had to form the country and, and invent the modern uh, executive leader. Not a king. He invented the idea of the secular, willingly giving up power chief executive. They asked Republicans last week. Who is the greatest U.S. president with the choices of FDR, JFK, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Ronald Reagan, and Donald Trump? JFK is ridiculous on that list, but go on. He is. I don't understand how he, why. why? He was only president for two and a half years? Roughly, yeah. So that alone. But anyway, uh, who wins in that poll there? Trump, Reagan, Lincoln, Washington, Kennedy, and Roosevelt. Asking Republicans last week, not (laughs) even freaking close. Okay, Trump with thirty-eight percent. Reagan finished. Reagan finished second with eighteen. 
Lincoln behind that, then George Washington down at 11. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, what do you what do you it's, do with this? I mean, it's what making is... a statement. It's throwing a punch in the modern melee. I'm for Trump. Boom. Take that, Lincoln. <laughs> Even if you like Trump a lot, why would you say Trump was a better president than George Washington or Abraham Lincoln? Because yeah. it will make people mad. And that is the major <laughs> motivating factor of 90% of the things you see online. You know what? If I got that question, now I'm such a history freak, I, I couldn't get myself to do it. But I would be sorely tempted to, to check off uh, Trump. Well, then do we just need to stop asking people questions? Yes. Just stop. That would be helpful. <laughs> no more asking people anything. There's just no point in it. Oh, boy. Well, you don't learn anything. No, certainly not. And and it doesn't bring you any wisdom, I don't <laughs> no, think. No, I mean, no. there's no, like, insight there. Right. JFK is a fine fella. He was an arch conservative by modern standards, which is probably the only thing worth pointing out about him. But There you go. The most, most and least educated states, most and least diverse cities in America, all sorts of, plus the headlines of the day. We got them for you. Don't go away. Armstrong and Getty.